Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Jessie Too. Hi, and I'm Helen Stanbeck. And you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. Hi guys, it's now the middle of May. Almost um, at the end. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, how have you been this week, Hel? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, um, nothing special this week, but I was just looking up and listening to radios and uh, some interesting thing coming came up to me when I was listening to ABC Classic. Mm. So apparently they have 100 top musical things <laughs> every year. I know, it's always the same It's pe- all almost the, the same, same conductors. Oh, yeah. sorry, the same um, composers. Yeah, yeah, so they had the, the mu- movie music. Yeah. Baroque and certain periods of music. And this year, can you believe it? It's top 100 Beethoven. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, they're like, just, it, I mean, there's no doubt that Beethoven is a brilliant mu- um, musician. A, yeah. He was a brilliant musician and he yeah. is a brilliant composer. But, like, I don't know. I just feel so, I feel really conflicted anytime I see those kind of lists because there's just so much aggrandizing of male people who already have a lot of power, you know? And why? a lot of attention yeah, already. Yeah, like why are they – I mean, obviously I know because of capitalist reasons, you know, most mm-hmm. people listen – a lot of people listen to Beethoven, but, like, why can't they put all those resources into maybe discovering undiscovered female composers? Like, I've, yeah. I'm – yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> we're just going to go on and on. It just makes me so – outraged because i have this deep conflict with classical music like especially in australia it number one it's deeply deeply um dominated by white people Mm -hmm. um i mean yes at the student level a lot of asian people for Mm -hmm. instance have penetrated that space but like professional musicians um are mostly white um and it goes it, it kind of it's it's the it's a trend that sort of skims throughout all of artistic ventures across um in Australia like the cultural artistic fields are dominated by white people because in order to be a professional artistic person in this country and i guess a lot of countries you need you need to be of a certain um class yeah i think that because you're not whole... very actually not very well paid no right? it's yeah. not you have to have a strong i don't know backbone i guess Economically, well, and a lot of people who do work in the arts uh, are able to work in the arts because they have like parental support, for instance, you yeah, know, that's and they can, one of a reason. yeah, and they are able to spend six months on an unpaid internship. Mm. Whereas, like a lot of people who are in, like, say, a local, uh, lo- a lower socioeconomic status, I can't afford to do that. Or even just you know? Asian backgrounds, the parents will say, who's yeah, exactly, support it's a status you. thing as yeah, well. Yeah, thing. yeah, and also, um. The the optics of it, yeah, just yeah, it's oh god. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> Beethoven. I mean, God, I just yeah, uh, I don't... classical music really infuriates me. Also, just mm-hmm. because of its general audiences, mostly. I mean, it's a hun- like I wanted to see an SSO uh, concert a few months ago before the whole pandemic mm-hmm. thing happened, mm-hmm. and um, I hadn't seen a concert in quite a number of years and I wanted to go back and check it out because I was doing research for my next novel 
and the cheapest prices um now that i'm over 30 tragic oh, yeah, um, is like a hundred it was a hundred and twenty dollars yeah for the cheapest so picket. for our listeners so apparently that uh some of the um uh, i wouldn't say state-owned federal but some of the most most popular orchestra they have uh special concessions for the um audiences that's under 30 so you mm. get a discount yeah and when you're over 30 you have to pay for the full yeah, price and it's, it's actually a very considerable discount yeah it is uh, on other topics, um, so this week I need or want to shout out to all the volunteers out there in Australia. So, including you, yeah, including myself. Um, so I volunteer at Northern Settlement Services, but at the moment we're kind of because we we're in a semi-lockdown situation, so our most of our services have been putting hold. And also, I volunteer with the guide dog, uh, New South Wales. Uh, I think it's it's going to combine with the Victoria State anyway. Anyhow, so I will shout out to the volunteers around the nation. You know, thank you for all your work. And in some point of your life, you will probably become one of the volunteers or been helped for by the volunteers. And I believe that our society benefit a lot from the work of volunteers. Yeah, and you know, I was about mm. to write a piece for my publication about this um, week. And then I, I went into it thinking that <laughs> the number of volunteers was like the number of like the gender divide for not volunteers. Oh, I thought yep. it was going to be like 99% women and 1% men. Mm. I was completely wrong. It was more like 37% women and 34% men. Like I know that doesn't make 100%, but uh-huh. some statistic I saw that really indicated that it's actually quite balanced. Oh, that's which good. was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I assume there will be a lot of lot more um female volunteers yeah, yeah, or at sure. least at least the, the um group that i'm in that yeah. usually are mostly female yeah right yeah so what else have you been doing jesse um i had to get my laptop exchanged <laughs> <laughs> that was my like my biggest um adventure this week going mm-hmm. to the apple store which usually makes me like incredibly anx- anxious i hate Crowd. like on a normal day um sort of um not regarding pandemic situations, I hate going to the Apple store because it's like my worst nightmare. It's like a big party where you don't know anyone and like you're just there just waiting for a genius to go and um, ask you what, what you need. And, and I just hate crowded places. The savior. <laughs> yeah. I hate um, crowded places and just the atmosphere of like the bright light really makes me so anxious. Anyway, I had to go in and it was such an experience because they had this whole like set up so you know um, you know the apple stores mm-hmm. are ginormous yeah and they usually have what say 25 tables right around, maybe not that many yeah, maybe but, not that many but, yeah. but just bench yeah like benches yeah yeah exactly so shop. um this new setup i went like two days ago they had about only six people stationed at each de- oh, because uh, of social distancing. Yeah, yeah yeah and then all the other people had to wait outside in a line as though we were lining up to a club on a Saturday <laughs> yeah, night yeah. at 2 a.m. Um, and also there were two bouncers at the door and they had held, they had like two, one hand they held um, a thermometer uh-huh. and so they like yeah, test, tested test, your t- uh-huh. temperature and then the other hand they held masks. And so after they took your temperature, they gave you a mask. Oh, so you and they do made have you to, wear wow, it. Wow, yeah. that's, that's unusual because you think that most shops that wouldn't provide masks, they well, would just give but, you hand sanitizer. Yeah, but um, Kev... Kevin, our brother, I told him this and he said that's what Taiwan has been doing at the very beginning of this pandemic. Yeah, that's why time. it's been so effective at, yeah. you know, um, 
Yeah, so anyway, I, I was standing there because, like, when I I'm, – I'm, I'm rarely ever when I'm out in the, a public situation, like, say, if I'm going to wait for – I don't actually go and buy coffee, but say if I'm waiting for food to be given to me at a takeout, mm. I never actually look at my phone when I'm waiting because I just think it's – Yeah, it's a bit rude. Well, like, also, most people – when you go out, you see them looking at their phones because it's awkward to stand there and wait. It yeah, just doesn't you just look have cool. to occupy yourself. Yeah, exactly. It looks cool to occupy yourself. And so I try and actively not do that. And so I was just standing there for around 10, 15 minutes and observing. observing. Uh-huh. And, I, and I just thought I still cannot get, even though it's been quite common now, I still can't get over the fact how like funny it is to see white people wear masks. It's still, <laughs> such, a, it's yeah. still such a foreign, funny thing. Because like I've only ever we've only ever seen, seen Asian mostly yeah. Asians wearing the mask yeah it's even so now funny. on the street yeah there's still a lot more Asians yeah, wearing masks definitely, than definitely yeah white people and also I found it funny you know how there are articles that saying how Donald Trump's refusal to wear the mask is a oh yeah I sent that toxic, to you toxic masculinity there was a, um there were there were two guys who I saw probably like mid forties uh-huh. I kid you not um, they know they they <laughs> held the mask in their hand they didn't wear it while they were waiting in line uh-huh. the way we were actually asked to and they only put it on at the very last minute once they went inside the store okay. so I, I was just I was just remember thinking god that's such a typically white male thing to do yeah like, you wouldn't want to do it until the last minute so you think yeah that like, is necessary or not, I, I just think white male privilege like um, it really, it really pokes up. Evidence of it pokes up in the most funny situations, and yeah. it's very telling. Like for instance, um, uh, I you know how I'm studying um, Russian online, uh, uh, yeah, Russian yeah, yeah, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm studying Russian at the Sydney University, and um, at the moment our classes are online Zoom. <laughs> and last week, um, Carl and I do this together. Mm. And last week, um, we <laughs> we um, this guy, this guy, this young. <laughs> white dude um he forgot to turn off like or maybe he didn't forget but the whole time he didn't turn off his mic, mic when he was like and there are about 25 people in the class so when you're so, supposed to mute he didn't yeah, mute. he didn't mute and so we actually heard a lot of his conversations what about what oh I just like he was talking listening. to other people on the oh site and and kyle just typed in about well, kyle and i text during the uh-huh. l- lesson yeah. we shouldn't but anyway he was texting me saying um lol typical white guy move privilege yeah. like just not being aware yeah of, of what's happening or what you should be doing yeah it's like oblivious of what's happening and then another one uh, not that i go out of my way to record this but i actually <laughs> do um the other day i was driving in a narrow like i live on a small street mm-hmm. and i was driving in a narrow um laneway and then there was this white dude in front of me who saw me coming and then he turned like he was walking away from me i was oh, in my no. car and then he had his headphones on Okay. And then he just walked really slowly in the middle of the road. And then oh, I started yeah. beeping uh-huh. and he totally ignored me. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh, my God, dude, like that is so white male. Like yeah. just not being conscious of other that's, people around that's you. Something you know? that I remember reading it somewhere and I mentioned it to you or someone once. And then um, about how uh, people waiting at the lights, whether or not they would wait, like if there's a group of people with diverse background who actually wait for the green lights. And remember we say that uh, usually it will be the white male that would would not be bothered to wait. He would just look both sides. If there's no cars, he would just walk over. 
Yeah. And immediately after yeah, we, our we conversation, saw we, we saw, saw at least guy. three guys yeah. at the same intersection that did that. Yeah. So I think if there's ever a research on that, I don't think there will be any doubt that probably the dominance of group who will just be themselves and not just take up space. Yeah. Just take up, take space, up space unapologetically. That's yeah. what really irritates me. Yeah. God. <laughs> I listened to another podcast where this woman was Uh really angry and swearing the whole time. And I remember thinking, God, I better stop doing that. But I can't help it. I'm just always super angry. And then we're going to be labeled as angry, angry, nasty Asian woman. Oh, yeah. I don't don't care. Like like I was reading um, an an article in the New York Review of Books by uh, John E. Lennon. He's a convicted criminal murderer. Like a murderer has platform on that prestigious global publication. I just can't get over that. But anyway, he spoke about um, Jack Abbott, who was another white criminal. He was a murderer, and um, he had a lot of like um, public sort of support from people like Susan Sarandon, and um, mm. yeah, other other people who lifted him up. Um, but he apparently his works like this guy was a convicted murderer, and then he started writing. Uh, literary stuff while he was in jail and then he found a publisher while he was in jail and then become this ma- and then he eventually became this massive literary star and like number one i just think that would never happen for a female right females would never be be given that platform mm-hmm. number two um i forgot what my number two was oh yeah jack abbott's writing was apparently um very very rooted in anger Okay. And I just and and it was rewarded for being that way. And it just hurts me that I will never be taken as seriously as a woman feeling all those yeah. angers that I do. My anger is not universalized the way a male's mm-hmm. anger is, a white man's anger is. There's you always know? double standard when oh. it comes to a female. Isn't it? Um I'm just yeah, I I guess I'm saying all this because I want people to realize that there's a, a there's a reason for the way I feel. You know, mm-hmm. it's not well, unwarranted. A lot of women feel, you know, we, we've been oppressed for so long to not to express ourselves, and even if we do, then we are being labeled, you know, angry woman and hysterical or not being taken seriously yeah. at all. Yeah. Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> we yeah. got over I'm talking the casual stuff. Anyway, so this week we are going to talk about something on race. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Do we ever talk about anything else? Yeah, we don't talk about gender. Okay, <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, so we're talking about the topic of white worshipping. Um, so I'm going to start off um, to give you a bit of background that um, – uh historically white worshipping is probably uh more more common in asia it, it does happen in western wales as well whereas for a lot of immigrants um that want to fit into a certain or they call it assimilate into a certain you know um society and whereas in asia i'll say the impact of colonialism has made a lot of changes to Asian countries and also the society there. Um, I'm just going to talk, um, I'm just going to mention that um, perhaps in Taiwan, because that's where we grew up mm. in, um, I think Taiwan had, what, from what I remember was, 
Um, there was Dutch occupation, and then it came from Portuguese. Portuguese, and also later in the last century there was Japanese as well. But um, there's a lot of. I don't want to say it's an absolute, but still, continually, the influence of Western nation is a lot, particularly America. Okay, in saying that, it's because that um, it's very divided politically in Taiwan, and you know you have the nationalist side KMT, whereas they are very pro-China, and the other side is DPP, the Democratic Progressive Party. They are. A bit more, I wouldn't say they're anti-China, but most of them want to, you know, present Taiwan as an independent country in the world. And who can you rely on when you want an independency? It's mostly U.S. because U.S. acts as a how would you how would you describe it? Um, I don't want to use the like word safe. Yeah, a middleman, but I don't want to use the word savior because a lot of a lot of citizens consider a lot of. The citizens in Taiwan consider America as a savior. Well, yeah, yeah. that <laughs> comes through like every single narrative. Yeah, right? so that's what happens that when they, you know, a lot of people that um, they don't want to. I wouldn't say that they consider themselves as white worshiping, but a lot of behaviors that does show. Yeah, yeah, it, it's all in the way in which little things like the, uh, the subconscious, unconscious parts of our actions. Yeah. That that we would never actually admit, I think. Yeah. Admit to. Yeah. Yeah. So from my from my experience of seeing white worshipping in around my work, past workplace was that the first uh one that I encountered was in Taiwan. Um so re- tell us what you did when you got married. Yeah. Yeah, and then what uh, happened when you got married? <laughs> I I got married and I applied jobs to teach English in Taiwan with my husband, who's white. <laughs> yeah, who is white. Um, we kind of uh, had this interest of going to Taiwan for a, a couple of years, but it don't only turned out for a year. Anyway, um, so what's the easiest, you know, um, pathway for both of us? To work in Taiwan will be teaching English. I think a lot of people or people with well backgrounds that they will probably consider so as well. Anyway, so we applied jobs in Taiwan to teach English, and it was very—I wouldn't say it was difficult, and I wouldn't say it's very easy either to apply jobs to teach in Taiwan. If when you apply with a Anglo surname. Yeah, so with with your Anglo surname, and usually they will ask you for a photo as well. You know, it will、mm. be discriminative to ask、yeah. for a photo when you be pry, when you you know applying for a job in、yeah. most of the Western countries. Anyway, yeah, yeah. they want to see whether or not that your、um, your appearance is、uh, fit into the market. Because in Taiwan, I I believe that it has changed for the past twenty years. But when we were teaching in Taiwan, it was still very,、um, how would I say this? Like very, the appearance is very important. Yeah. As in, they would, and also there's differences in pay if you're white or local、uh, teachers. I was paid. Not as in the local teachers' rate, but as a foreign teachers' rate, but still were low, was lower than the white teacher. Wait, so are you saying that 
even though your English was exactly the same as Sean's,、mm-hmm. your husband's, Sean was getting paid more than you. Is that what he, you're saying? He was paid. He was being paid more as in hourly, but he didn't get as many hours as me because the main reason for the white teachers to be appear in the English class was to show the parents that yeah, yeah. we have a foreigner here, yeah, yeah. you know, so yeah, our access our, to that kind of. That kind of、um, demographic,、yeah. or like this is what this is what we can provide. Yeah,、whiteness. and they they think that you know whiteness equals authenticity. Yeah. yeah, and it, it provides the students a gateway. I don't know、yeah. what the gateway、yes. to actually learn the proper side way of English or something like that. So that, I found that was a bit funny、um, because I I definitely has in, have encountered a lot of white teachers who are not English background. Um, for example, there were、um, Dutch. There were, but they're just white and tall and you know blonde and things、yeah. like that. And the English- don't Dutch people speak fluent English? Yeah, they do. But they have some of the Europeans. Okay, they don't have.、Um, native. Some, yeah, they they're not native English, and some of them. I don't want to criticize on accent because every accents、yeah. are fine. But it's just funny that,、um, and there's a. It was just funny that a lot of Taiwanese parents and you know, like this kind of English institute, that they want like American English. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I know? know what you mean totally. Yeah. Well, like when I was a kid, mum and dad bought、um, Sesame Street tapes for us. Yeah, that was the, that was ideal, the form ideal form of English. Form of、yeah. English. So they will ask for like they will always ask for oh okay, so what's the differences between Australian English and American English? I think. Okay, there are a little bit differences. You know, there's obviously there's going to be accent differences, but I don't think there was much differences.、Yeah. And there's so there's so many. Like I just got sick of it. There's so many、um, parents who doesn't even speak English themselves. They were just、um, want their kids to speak American English. Do you mean like accented American accent English? Is、yeah. that what you mean? Like I, I don't think they can even tell the differences. You know, you, you can't tell the differences with British English. But if you present, you know, different forms of English for to them, I don't think the parents will be able to tell the differences. But they have this mentality or myth, probably, that believe that American is the best. Well, yeah, because America has, uh, like centuries of history of. Sort of quote unquote saving countries at war, you know, Vietnam, Korea, they they go they yeah, to the world, world, you know, they go to the Middle East and, and f- literally、up. fuck everything up. But the narrative that the mainstream media and everyone gets is that they're the savior or the hero. Exactly. Ah,、oh, so like、fun. all you have to do is look at a couple of years ago. I think it was last year. Um, Ryan Gosling in the movie First Man, like. <laughs> I know it's、yeah. completely not related, but in a way, it is completely related. First man, an American man. Yeah, yeah, it's an American、yeah. white man. Yeah. Um. So that's my experience in Taiwan, and then. Okay, and um, did you want to talk about your experience? Well, I I haven't taught in um English as I'm never taught um English、uh, as a foreigner in Taiwan.、Mm-hmm. Um. When we went back to Taiwan, when we were like eight or nine, I remember teaching maybe、um, English to like kindergarten people with me and me and Lise, our sister. So, but that's completely different. Obviously, that was just for fun. 
But like, um, it's so interesting hearing you say all that because last year when I went back to Taiwan, I, I played ultimate frisbee with these pickup games、um, that were happening around Taipei. So what were you doing in Taiwan? Oh, so I, I think I've talked about this before. Uh, I think in the trade show、um, episode,、oh, yeah, our first one. Yeah, I was、um, chasing a couple of stories,、mm-hmm. and I spent a couple of weeks in Taipei. Loved it. Like people in Taiwan are, are brilliant.、Um, the the foreigners are very interesting people.、Um, I didn't. I I the people I met at frisbee,、uh, a couple of them were.、Um, Most of them were foreigners, I'd say. Like I think up to eighty-five percent were foreigners, and、um, there was a mix. So some of them were like me, like returning, but Taiwanese heritage, but returning to Taiwan to work, and then others were white people.、Um, and I met a lot of Americans、um, who were like young guys in their twenties who looked kind of like I don't know Channing Tatum with Channing Tatum good looks, yeah. And and they, I remember this one time we were playing、um, frisbee on a Wednesday night, and the subject of pay came up. One of the white dudes started talking about his pay, and then another guy who was Asian, like、um, he was a Taiwanese national, but his English was fluent, like like mine, flawless.、Um, he was an American, and then、um, when they got talking, they discovered that the white dude was getting paid like about. Two hundred dollars more a week than the Asian dude,、okay. and in the same industry. Yeah, like they were、okay. tutors、uh-huh. at a school, and yeah, yeah, yeah. they were just talking about the rates. And I just,、oh, I remember just like thinking, like number one, it's great that they're having such a transparent conversation. I think it's something that men are more comfortable doing. Yeah, with work, obviously. Yeah, yeah. but I, it also just made me kind of, it's the same kind of hurt that I was telling you about that hurt of. You know,、um, when we were talking about Beethoven and how、um, a lot of resources are put behind a dead white man,、yeah. when they could actually be、um, devoted to women, you know,、yeah. that the, minority、yeah. or minority groups. It's the same. This is kind of the same hurt when I heard this because it's like, no matter how good you are, if even if that Asian dude got a Degree at Harvard in English literature. He's still in Taiwan, not going to get paid as much as this average white dude,、yeah. just because this average white dude was white and tall. Yeah, that's why、um, I just remember that on the podcast I was listening. Also, the book that I'm still reading through, Michelle Obama's becoming. How she said that people of color usually, or、oh, actually, or、oh, almost have to work twice as hard to get only halfway as far as the white people.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same across the board for,、yep. um, I guess, women probably、yep. and people with、uh, people of color. Yeah, yeah. People with disabilities, people who are outside the sexual norm.、Mm-hmm. Like、yeah. the further you move outside of the heteronormative ideal human being, which is just a straight white guy,、mm-hmm. the more the harder you need to work to to be accepted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I started watching. I started watching the、uh, other day not, the Netflix documentary、oh, yeah, based yeah, yeah. on、okay. becoming, and I couldn't finish it because it was actually quite.、Um, I didn't really. It didn't. It didn't latch me on. Like I, I didn't find it excruciatingly interesting, so I didn't end up finishing it. I think I was about an hour in, but she did mention how her grandfather worked really hard, was really like one of the smartest people she ever knew, and yet he was still. For his whole life, yeah, he was working under men who were half his ability and capability because he was black.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think、um, the skin of your, the color of your skin does play a big role in this.、Um, 
Can I talk about the other experience that I had working in another, well, similar industry, but、um, in other areas of Asia?、Um, I was working in one of the English、um, English school. Actually, this time is actually in Australia, which is funny. I was working as a marketing officer, so my job was to recruit、um, students from overseas to come into Australia to study English, and we have bridging courses to. Get them to continue their tertiary studies onto universities, call、uh, colleges, or TAFE.、Um, what I found was really funny is that a lot of agencies in Asia and also the students, when they first arrive in Australia, they when they start in their English、um, classes, some will question that, oh, how come there's no white students in my class? I will. I will tell them that. But most white students already speak English, so they wouldn't like. I, I later, of course, we if we get South American、um, students, you know, you have a different race of students in the class. But a lot of Asian students, they they have this perception of thinking that once I go overseas, for example, to Australia or America, to study, that I will be surrounded by a bunch of white people. But It doesn't really happen like that instantly.、Mm. I found that a bit strange. Why do you think they wanted to be around white people? I don't know. It's just a sense of status. You know, they can show off back at home, saying that you know I'm hanging around with white people. Yeah, how good I am. Exactly.、Like、I didn't. I mean, this still this happened to your husband when you guys were in Taiwan, right? About ten, fifteen years ago. Didn't you say that people would stop Sean on the street? Like Sean is a quite a handsome, young, tall. <laughs> Tall guy, or、well, he's very tall.、Yeah. And didn't you say that、um, people would just stop him and say, "Can I take a picture?" Yeah, it was really funny. But because we we were living in a、uh, relatively rural area, so I assume、uh, I assume probably a lot of people that hasn't encountered foreigners、um, slash white people that often. Yeah, and and also sorry to interrupt you, but our mother she was thirty six when she immigrated to Australia, and I recently asked her. When was the first time she saw a white person?、Yeah. And it was like in her thirties、yeah. when she came to Australia.、Yeah. Oh no, I think she saw one white person when she was in Taipei. Okay, yeah. So I think the reality of having white people in Taiwan that was、mm. it, it was very uncommon.、Mm. I would say because this is like ten, fifteen years ago. So which city were you in, Danadi? I was in central Taiwan, Wuchi. I've never heard. Of yeah,、that. it's a, like a fishing village.、Oh. So it's not tiny. Compared to Australian rural areas, but it was they don't have a lot of foreigners in that area. Okay, so how come you went to Uchi? Oh, should we? Do we need to go into that? I want to know. <laughs> okay, um, so because the job came up there, and I just thought that oh, okay, it's near what where I grew up. It's near Zhanghua. Is it? Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, it's not too far away. It's like oh, it's not like Taipei so far okay, up yeah, in the、yeah. north. So, so yeah, I, um. I'll say about an hour to our hometown, so it was close enough to our grandparents.、Oh. Yeah, so I could still visit, or、yeah. they could, you know, our grandparents、yeah. can still come and visit me. Yeah. Anyway,、um, <laughs> back to the experience、yeah. I had with as working as a marketing officer.、Um, so that was in Australia,、mm. and then I had an opportunity to go overseas to do exhibitions, like education exhibitions, to you know promote Australian education.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, to get more students to come to Australia, we all know that it's a very one of the humongous industry for yeah. Australia. Yeah,、income. totally. Which、yeah. is now like being effed up. <laughs> yeah, by the whole pandemic. Yeah. Um. 
So I went to um, Taiwan is one of my market, and I also went to Vietnam. Um, so I attend two uh, separate uh, education exhibition. One in Hanoi, which is the capital, and the other uh, and the other ones in Ho Chi Minh City, in Vietnam. And both the the exhibition had different uh, countries representations to attend. So there were Italians, uh, Americans, and I can't remember. There, there were a lot of American schools, mm. but uh, several European. Even there's one from Malta, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So there were fashion designing schools, uh, but mostly English studies. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. of, of course, and there's a couple of um, other schools coming from Australia. And you just see all the you have groups of high school students like taking out a day, half day, yeah. as like an excursion. Yeah. To come into this exhibitions, so we have little booths, and they can come in and ask us about um, what's like studying abroad, and what kind of programs do we offer, and perhaps the fees we can discuss. You know, if there's any discounts if they uh, enroll during the exhibitions, and you will just see so many um, high school students that will just pile in front of. Uh, the booth that had the representative of like an European yeah. face, exactly. yeah, person, yeah. 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 So and they were they they they've been treated like celebrities. I was just thinking, God, he's just the a guy white, is just a, a white, white guy. guy. Yeah, he's just a representative from a school. You know, he's doing nothing different from me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and all the especially girls, okay, especially young girls, they would just want to. Pose next to him and take a photo. And let me guess, this guy was actually not that good looking. Oh, he's actually good looking. Oh. You know, in my study, he was good looking. Okay, that's yeah. pretty high because your standards are. <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna listen anyway, but um, and also it's just um, also the agencies there. You can just tell that they the agencies that represent some of the students that would just treat the the European representative a bit more better than yeah. the Asian yeah. face. You know, representative. Yeah. But I found interesting was that um because I was coming from I was you know I was representing Australia, and there were some agencies that look at my name and look at me and look at my, the, my name again because I was using I was using my husband's surname, and they will ask me, okay, so you're Australian, and I say, uh, yeah, I'm Australian Chinese, and they're, oh, okay, so. Were you born in Australia? Some some of the agents that speak fluent English they will ask me that. Also, oh, were you born in Australia or Taiwan? I say I was born in Taiwan. Immigrated to Australia, and then they say that. Oh, okay. And some and they will start asking their colleagues to come over, and pointed at me and ask their colleague, "Oh, can you guess where she's from?" <laughs> it's like they found someone. They found someone that's um, probably living as an Asian living in a Western country. Something interesting, yeah, and they will start. Yeah, I don't know whether or not that. I I thought that would be quite common in Vietnam because they've got so many Vietnamese in Australia. They'll be have a lot of Vietnamese returning to Vietnam as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think it's because a lot of people outside of. I know in my time traveling around a lot of rural parts in America and also in the Middle East, when I say. That to people that I'm from Australia, people always give me that weird reaction, like "What?" But you have an Asian face. Yeah. Like when I was in the Solomon Islands, people all thought I was Japanese yeah. because they had only ever encountered through personal um, contact and also through the media Japanese 
looking faces. Yeah. And so they just boxed me in immediately like that. Yeah. So it's funny that the colleagues will start guessing, oh, so are you Singaporean or are you Korean? And none of them actually picked out the Chinese. Yeah. So that was, I thought that was really funny. Um, Can I just say also, yeah. there's just, you're making me think there's a definite racial hierarchy, which is what we're ostensibly yeah. talking about yeah. here in this podcast. Like, white people and whiteness is at the top still, mm-hmm. is at the top. And then after that, like today I was um, writing a piece um, for Women's Agenda on Fortune 500. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this year, the 2020 list, um, out of 500 companies, 37 were led by women. And that's a record. Wow. Okay. Like that's 7.4%. Of, which is still oh fucking <laughs> ridiculously low. low, but people are like celebrating, like, yeah. oh, that's so high. Um, which, okay, sure, we should celebrate little victories, but it's still ridiculously low. Like, let's not lose track of the general, um, you know, the general picture. But um, I guess how many of the 37 women were women of color? 37. So it's, was it 37? 37 women? Yeah. People of color. I would say one or two. There were three. Oh, okay, okay, and guess how many of them were black or Latino? One. Zero. Oh. So all three were uh, actually Asian. Oh, one from okay. China, China. Yeah, I know one from China. Taiwan, uh-huh. and one from India. Okay. So yeah. come on, let's just like this. This is the reason why we're angry, and yeah. we're pointing this out because it fucking it, everything points to these realities: black yeah. women, Latino women at the bottom of mm-hmm. like Asian women towards the proximity of whiteness mm-hmm. closer. Yeah. You know. It yeah. All so make- so what we're going to talk about is that whether or not this skin is. Really, like when we're talking about white worshipping, there's a diff- There's definitely, when I was growing up, there's definitely a, a worshipping of whiteness among female. Totally. You know, like our mum would tell us that sunblock, sunblock, yeah. you yeah. know, or wear a hat. Yeah, um, our mum is like pearl white. And, yeah. and when she drives, um, she puts she on, puts on- or if she's wearing short sleeves, clothing, she will put those. If you haven't seen <laughs> a lot of Chinese women, even if they're out, um, Riding scooters, they would have like a um, removable, yeah, yeah, removable, detachable sleeves on your arms Um, that goes all the way up to your fingers that you can wear it to block out the sunlight. Yeah, so you won't get tanned around. I find this really interesting because, like, tanned, tanned skin in Australia, at least I know the Australian, the Australian men, at least the ones I've been with, have really loved the darkness that I possess. Like I am actually like Helen and I, we're quite different. Like I'm much darker than Helen, I would say, mm-hmm. because I, I'm always in the sun and I love the beach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you love the beach as yeah, well, I but I, I think I spend more time in the sun. And yeah. um, in, in when I was growing up, mum would say that um, whenever I went back to Taiwan, people would call me an Aboriginal because oh, my, yeah. dark, my skin, skin is deep. Your skin is darker. Yeah. yeah. And, and they wanted, they said that as an insult, like, Oh, be careful. You don't want to like, God, turn out it, yeah it's i know so yeah they would and my mom would not shame me but she would often just say watch out watch yeah. out watch out yeah don't get your skin too dark as yeah. though that is a that is a it puts you down in the in this kind of status yeah level. as though i'm supposed to be measured by the color of my skin the actual yeah. shade of my skin yeah. and like i tan yeah. crazy fast like uh last year i was playing at a frisbee tournament and it was a, I was on the beach, a bridge mm-hmm. tournament, and yeah. um, I think I played for about two hours in the morning. And then afterwards, a guy came up on my team and said, oh, my God, Jesse, you have literally um, darkened by three shades. Oh. Why was he pointing that out? 
But his was a, he was, I don't know. This, is, this sounds a bit strange. Yeah, about skin whiteners. I think if you if you look around Asian countries, um, all of them will have skin whitening products on their market and it's extremely popular mm-hmm. among the women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have progressed a little bit that now some women have um, come out of saying that, oh, um, skin color is very important to me. I do have some friends that do not care about you know their skin color they get they they tan easily and they're okay with it they're proud of it but majority of asian women that i know are still very obsessive about white whitening is in you know there's a i don't know whether or not it's probably the the consider is a a symbolism of purity yeah gentleness gentleness yeah well well it goes back to the whole like royal regal um uh, arc um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the aristocratic, the, you know, to be an aristocrat, you were white. You know, the French Marie Antoinette whiteness. They would use the yeah. powder themselves right. white, yeah. and then if you were dark, you were the yeah. farmers. Yeah. So there's a there's a perception about you know if your skin is lighter, you don't your work is probably mm-hmm. indoors. Um, endorsed, and also you're higher in status in society. So exactly. you're not. If you're tanned, then it, it seems like that you're in a labor force, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. where you need to do more physical work mm-hmm. and not being considered as important. Yeah, lower class status. There's definitely a correlation between color of the skin, like the actual shade, yeah. and the status you have in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in your society. status in society. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we've looked up. Well, we've looked up a couple of articles online or discussions online about. White worshipping. Um, I actually, I don't know where it did come out. I just Googled anything. And you actually came up with one on a discussion on Reddit is in asking how bad is white worship in Taiwan. Um, it's very bad. I found that I don't know whether or not it's still, I, I, I believe it's still happening, but whether or not it's very obvious uh, around in the whole society. So there's one member that actually say that, yeah, of course, you know, the halo I'm going to quote, halo effects of privileges. You know, so there's the privileges of white and then, like you said, like Jesse said, that there's a hierarchical thing happening, you know, and then white, there's ABC, you know, Asians born in, uh, what's it called? Um, no, American born Chinese. Mm. That's what they call it, yeah. And also biracial, they've been seen as more higher class, you yeah. know. Uh, if we, we're not going to talk too much about, you know, like, gender relationship wise because we spoke we discussed that in the other episode you know and also they there's a perceived myth of the whites have more wealth and status so some people do argue that whether or not that it's because that um they're just Taiwanese people locals are just generally more hospital how do i pronounce that hospitable word? hospitable yeah than wine worshiping you know sometimes i I've seen actually seen that white people might have taken advantage of this kindness. Oh, yeah. definitely, it's it's sick. It's really sick, and I also think that um, a lot of people um, who don't feel like a lot of white men who feel like they don't fit into in their white the the, the country they grew up in. They often like I know um, I, it feels like a lot of some of them go overseas to an Asian country in order to feel more powerful or to gain more like attention attention, yes you don't have to be a really good looking guy to get a lot of girls when you go to asian countries seriously because like just being white 
puts you at the very top of the Tinder, um, you know, hottest Tinder selections. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Yeah, there's so there's bars in Taiwan. Oh, I say it would be it happened. It would probably be the same in most Asian countries. There are bars that is prevalent to like foreigners, and there will be a lot of white guys hanging around there to pick up like local women. Yeah. Um. So there's another argument of, of white worshiping. Um. That was mentioned in this Reddit discussion, which I will continue on into one of the article. So apparently, that um, it's taken from people or the groups that are pro-China. They argue that um, why worshiping other um, uh, they believe that it's the ideas that um, some citizens consider that America will save Taiwan. You know, like the saviors for Chinese people to not be dominant by Chinese mm, mm. and. The article that I looked up, I thought was a bit interesting. Was that um, this article is uh, is published in Global Times? I don't know whether or not it's pro-China, but from the reading of the content, it's actually pretty pro-China. Uh, the uh, well, the article's title is "Chinese Society Troubled by Foreign Worship Mentality." So this is an op-ed that was written in twenty seventeen. Um, it was saying that on uh, how great that China is continue to impressively, you know, march towards the future, technology-wise and society, and also economic-wise. But however, there's still a lot of um, mentality that is dominant by Western thinking, you know. Uh, so the writer came up. I don't even know, understand why the writer have taken the well, example of yeah. the Netflix that made, you know, Iron Fist. Um, I understand that you know probably it's a lot of whitewashed um, dramas that is supposed to be centering you know Chinese or uh, Matt Damon. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking. <laughs> we'll be talking on that in the other um, talking about that in the other podcast anyway. And he's talking about you know how uh, white people doing kung fu and things like that. <laughs> it just sounds a bit silly and. He the the writer actually mentioned that he's actually emphasized on the dissidents. Did I pronounce that mm-hmm. word? Yeah, the dissidents who has actually left China, and quote I'm gonna quote that he says that brainwashed by foreign forces. As in, you know, uh, the writer considered that picking up Western thinking is not a good idea. It's actually from the writer's point of view, it's actually white worshiping. Um. He's taken examples of uh, where's the name? Uh, there's a student from University of Maryland, Yang Shu Pin. Mm-hmm. So she had a speech about freedom and democracy, and but the writer, like, kind of targeted her and saying that it's white worshiping. So I think you have to look at the different perspectives of how you define white worshiping. Yeah, mm. I love I love that because it. I often am trying to navigate that very blurry space in trying to decide whether what I, the way I see the world and the way I move through it and the things that I love are actually things that I love um, independent of this whole life of spent white uh, worshipping. Because yeah. I, I know myself, like, it's a constant shame that I carry that um, I honestly, like, if I'm very, if I'm very, um, frank 
um, and I'm very ashamed about this, is that I have in my life tended to value a white person's perspective over an Asian person's. Or like if I go into a bar and there's an Asian dude sitting next to a white dude, I'd always irrevocably always, always want to try and appeal to the desire of the white dude. Like, and sometimes it doesn't even matter how good looking the white dude is. It's often, yeah, it's just, it's so fucked up how I have really, um, I mean, it's great that I know this now at my age so that I'm more conscious in the future. But really, I know that I've spent a lot of my life trying to appeal to white people. And like, I, I remember, I, like, in the last couple of months, even, it's been quite dismal for me because I, I've, like, sometimes I just think, like my closest friends are white. I think ninety, yeah. Like most of my friends are white. You have I'm, a lot of white yeah, I hate that. I hate totally opposite. I hate that about myself. I don't think that's right. Like There's I nothing wrong with having white friends. Like, would you go in a particular way, or would you be like from now on, you feel more conscious about race? Would you go out your way to make friends that's like other color? I have to say, I think there is something about a life that is diminished if you don't have deep engagements with a wide variety of people. So I don't have a close relationship with a plumber, for instance. And I think that there is something, um, there is a fault in, in me in having not established that kind of relationship, I think. Um, that, And I think there's a laziness that I exhibit that most people have, which is that you just tend to find friends who are like you. And because I, all my, all my tastes are very, very, very white centric and um, upper class. So like yoga, poetry, um, essay writing, um, literary nonfiction, like all those things are very white spaces. Yeah, but how are your friends woke? Is it, do they, do they acknowledge that you're, I don't know, your anger? Oh, yeah, totally. I, I, um, I'm very open about it, but I think that... Um, do they feel comfortable when you're talking about it? Um, the closest friends I have are, and so I'm very grateful for that, but I also do see it from their perspective. Mm-hmm. And I like I was just texting one of my Asian friends this morning, and I, was, I said to her, like, I have a feeling that in like 10 years' time, um, I won't have any white friends left because, <laughs> because um, it hurts too much, because there's too much power imbalance. Like if I'm going to keep harping on about how much it hurts to be an, uh, in an Asian body and if I'm only surrounded by white people, we're both harming each other. You know, they're harmed by my anger. And, you know, and be taken it personally. I mean, if they walk enough, they shouldn't take it personally. I, I understand yeah. that there are people that's taken it personally sometimes. Yeah. Well, my friends don't, but, um, but you can't help but understand that you're part of that cohort that your friend is – being angry about you know what i mean that's why i just think it'll be so hard for me to date a white guy because like he needs to understand enough that don't take him personally that he's he's just the color of the group that he's in but if he wants to be woke enough he should take actions i wouldn't say even take actions but just to be aware of the you know maybe racist remarks people are making or subtle things that's happening you know and not taking it lightly you know Mm. what's happening around us or what's happening around the world yeah like i often try and think if i am dating a man who 
is often criticizing Asianness, would I be offended? And our first thought is, yes, I would definitely be offended because I'm Asian. But then I actually couldn't actually f- f- make myself feel what that would feel like because I can't imagine being white because white is the dominant. You know, I can't put myself into a place where I could feel like I have been part of this historically entrenched group of people with historically inherently entrenched powers that is the powers that people don't have the words to express because it's because it is so naturalized you know i think um perhaps you can ask your friends (laughs) the closest that you have how do they feel about it when you when you keep on talking about this kind of topics today how how do they feel Mm. do they feel hurt or do they usually argue with you or no they just listen really Yeah, yeah yeah I think if they only if they just even just listen, then you know they're taking awareness. Then that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, conversely, like Billy is very good at Billy is white, and he is very good at talking about um, whiteness. But but um, I think I asked him once why he's so good at picking out the fucked upness of whiteness, and he and he said, oh, it's because I'm gay. So I can see, yeah. So he knows what it means to be a minority, and so he can see the he like when you're not part of the heteronormally white cohort um when in any way you fall outside of that group you are better able to see things that people within that cohort can cannot see that's why it's so like that's why people harp on about diversity like last week two weeks ago um uh sydney morning herald and the age um large publications here in australia they hired five emerging uh critics and all five of them were white and that is deeply, deeply um, not only hurtful and insulting for people of color, but also just a massive um, lost of a, op- lost opportunity because those five people are probably going to have exactly the same voices. voices and opinions about things and they're not going to be able to pick out little things that we can pick out because yeah. we have been marginalized. We don't have powers that make us blind to things. Yeah, that's why um, <laughs> I want to share another um, piece of writing, which is quite funny of what you're saying about how white people, some some of them would not, um, will have the very mainstream voices. So I, I've looked at one of the pieces of writing um, written by a white guy. Um, this is not like a public, uh, not a properly, not a proper... Uh, media source, but it's appear in one of this guy's uh, website. He's like a capitalist entrepreneur or something like that. It's a, it's a very funny. I wouldn't say funny, but it's just something that I haven't really looked into. It a, a type of business that helps you to reduce your tax and move in your wealth overseas or something like that. Yeah, that sounds a bit dodgy, isn't it? Uh, anyway, no, not really <laughs> um, his writing is that. Um, he questions whether or not Asians do have white worshipping. So his argument is that, no, there's not actually not white worshipping, you know. Um, Asians are doing so much better, you know. It's just they've been nice to white people. It's not white worshipping. Um, why would they? Why would Asians be white worshipping in Asia when they have money themselves? Um, but immediately the comments underneath the the uh, his writing was so funny because the first comment that I saw was uh, by a black guy. <laughs> yeah, he says, "No, nah, there's definitely a hierarchy 
you know, in it's not just in Western society, and it's very obvious in Asian countries as well. And they, the black guy says, "I don't get served as much as as equally as the white couples that were sitting next to me yeah. in the restaurant and a hotel." You know, there's definitely white worshiping. From what you're like, the writer is he's coming from a very privileged stat, you know, position of saying that um, I can just brush away the term worshiping and trying to make myself blindsided and not, you know, not mentioning that term because it doesn't exist because I'm say so because I'm white. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah. Sorry. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like to say just just the fact that he thought he had enough clout to write that opinion is so stupid Mm -hmm. it's like someone it's like he went out and got naked on the street and said hey look i'm not wearing i'm I'm wearing clothes but it's like dude you're not wearing clothes it's like it's so embarrassing that he would do that of course he wouldn't see it because you possess it yeah that's right it's so stupid and and i do have to say um a lot of my um education in this whole realm of race has been uh, like has been um through reading a lot of black voices mm-hmm. yeah black Which people really thing. really yeah. know shit like way more i'd say than because because they've been pushed like mm-hmm. like slavery hello like yeah. they 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 have exper- their ancestors have experienced the worst type of exploitation mm-hmm. and white yeah. Um, heart and and the way that um race race exploits groups of people they have been at the bottom rung and so That's they right. yeah. they can they see, can see it, it very obviously clear, yeah the crystallization of that hurt is really mm-hmm. something that they are so in touch with unfortunately yeah. yeah unfortunately it's just a very fucked up idea that even in asia like what i was seeing in taiwan before when i was teaching that when you have like a just the um, African-American descent mm-hmm. teachers, that the kids would not approach the teacher at all. It's just, I don't know why. I mean, that teacher speaks. They would rather approach a white, <laughs> a white dude without a proper English teaching skills than, uh, you know, a black guy who have perfect qualifications in teaching English just because their skin colour is different. Yeah, yeah. It's... that's disgusting. And also, I know, I wouldn't name names, obviously, but there have been people in our family who, who <laughs> like, yeah. exhibit those kind of mentality. Like, yeah. I've, I've heard them even say, like, oh, black people are dirty. Like, it's yeah. really fucked up. Like, the proximity into which I grew up with these kind of um, opinions, mm-hmm. it's, it's just shocking. It's so shocking how people still carry these yeah that's one thing that it was such a um tremendous um challenge i guess for obama when he became president you know the people a lot of people's mentality had probably shifted from then you know like oh you the first black president of america and a lot of people wouldn't think that you know uh, a black person that could become the leader of the free world but he did and Possibly has changed a lot of people's perception, and hopefully, in you know, it will continue to do so. I don't know. I I think will. I mean, history will tell. Mm. Let's see how he's remembered in five hundred years' time. But I don't know whether things have actually. I mean, certainly hasn't now. You know, like the president who came immediately oh, after yeah. him. Oh yeah, it's such a it, big. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's a joke. I don't know. 
if his presidency has, I, I don't know, I just feel still very conflicted about. Oh, yeah, on servers, it did had changed a lot. Um, I just remember that I was listening to put a podcast while driving here, that the Chinese podcast, um, bilingual, to shout out to them, yeah. Anyway, um, the male host, Ken, that he said that he read uh, a book that was is by Ameri- African-American. I only remember the first name, Tennessee someone. Um, so he's an African-American that he actually semi-criticized on, in his book about Obama's administration. He said that Obama could have done a lot more for black people, but he didn't. But yeah. because his soft skill that actually um, created more, ten- like created, encouraged yeah. more Republicans you know, to speak up. And if he had a stronghold and then really um, pushed harder to provide more, I wouldn't say provide, but speak up more for black, perhaps that the tension will be more balanced now. But the reason why Obama was able to reach those heights was because he played to white people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's so he thing. wouldn't have. He was, fe- he was. He's probably feeling that. Oh, I maybe I shouldn't be offensive. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. that's one thing. That's one thing. Always with the people of color, when we want to try to make a comment, or when when we try to express Just our yeah, when we try to you know express our thoughts, that like we always we always have to think in the position of, oh, are we going to offend someone yeah. and the moment you do step out and sort of um behave in a way that doesn't um behave in all the moment you color outside of the lines as a person of color you you gain less power within yeah. that realm in which you are trying to gain power so obama got to where he got because he played to white power and also he didn't try and actively bring up black people if he did he wouldn't have become president you know and it's the same that's exactly the same mentality when it comes to female ceos Mm -hmm. like female ceos i think are the bastions often the foot soldiers of white yeah for the patriarchy yeah yeah Yeah. because if they actually from the very start of their career ladder i'd say if they start calling out shit they would not be hired into positions of power they would not yeah. be seen in c-suite yeah positions. unfortunately the whole system is still very fucked up yeah. you know it's to everyone still have to you have to play the, game, the game by the yeah. game yeah. yeah so in a way it's kind of like who are you gonna what are you gonna do like are you gonna just try and bolster your own position or are you gonna or, try to lift up the whole group which yeah. is harder you eventually just take the easier way or like you can i don't know like strategize and say okay i'll reach the top and then point out shit but it's like oh really is is that you know what i mean Mm. like yeah sometimes it is very hard because you just take the easier choice you know you pick your battles and eventually you might make some changes but you don't make a lot of changes yeah do you want to quickly talk about the youtube video just because i thought that youtube video was very funny about um uh the channel is called Asian Boss. This video was taken in 2018 and it was uh interviewing people on the street in Shanghai asking uh, asking them about perceptions about white people in the uh, Shanghai city. Um a lot of interviews they say that yeah they think that white people are generally more am- ambitious, you know, and they perhaps they're more qualified in jobs and because their appearance are more impressive you know and they also say that it's it's very it's a norm that um industries such as uh advertising they still hire a lot of white models to advertise even local products 
So it gives you the impression of a higher status.、Mm. Um, what else?、Uh, they say that the general treatment of white people in Shanghai.、Um, they say they treat actually treat the white people the same. You know, the, but、uh, obviously the op- business opportunities will be better for the white people. Yeah, and I want to mention the there's something that was saying <laughs> in the video about、uh, the white monkey jobs. I've heard about this, but I never knew that they actually have a term for it. They call white monkey jobs. So there are companies that actually white hire white actors to to attend as a guest or a businessman or their company staff at a certain event to impress their clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah proximity to. White power. Yeah, proximity to white power. So it's kind of、yeah. like the way that、um, people hire, I don't know, like models to to accompany. Yeah, you know, no, business. it's like the showgirls. Yeah, showgirls, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if you're a white person and you and you like、oh, on the street, someone says, "Oh,、um, I have a job for you. You just have to come just and to dress in a、out. suit." Yeah, and and. Uh, yeah, shake. Yeah, I'd I'd say、like、if I was a white dude, I'd probably say yeah, cool. Like I'll milk anything that I can milk. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was a video. Um, if you look up on YouTube, you should be able to find it. It's a very like ten minutes video, but it's quite interesting. I think yeah. One more thing. Um, before we wrap up, um, I have been thinking a lot about this when we were talking about the white. Products that、mm-hmm. you know, Asian women put. I remember all through my teenage years,、um, I would try. I would like every time we went back to Taiwan, I would always beg my mom to get whitening cream,、oh, yeah. and and I thought that I always really wanted whiter skin. I think because I thought that that would make me more appealing to men, and、um, just like I remember also reading Dolly a lot. Growing up in in Australia, which is like a teen magazine, it's like Teen Vogue, and I never once. I think in the seven eight years I looked at Dolly, um, I read Dolly religiously. I only ever saw like one Asian face, and it was like Lucy Liu's face, and like I don't even、yeah. think Lucy Liu's attractive at all. Sorry, sorry to Lucy Liu, but I don't think she's pretty at all.、But、she's very. She's she's got a I don't want to use the word oriental. Oh yeah, she's, she's got an oriental she's been, look. She's been perceived、um, perceived by like the Western standard of beauty as in a very oriental oh, way. Oh right. Oh、uh, yeah. I, well, I don't. Yeah. Oh, I don't think she's pretty. Anyway, but um, I remember like carving my face out and doing like spending hours doing like making like DIY masks <laughs> and all those like.、Yeah. St- Five steps to like glowing skin, or like, or I like followed all those things religiously. And looking back now, I realized what I wanted to look like was all those white models. I wanted to be white,、yeah. you know. Yeah, I think the standard of, um, if we're gonna、uh, talk about white worshiping, it's like you think about the standards of beauty. A lot of Asian countries that they follow the standards of. Like Western standards, you just simply just look at、um, Koreans, you know, cosmetic yeah industry yeah chipping their face you know to to look more Anglo Anglo double lid higher nose bridge you know and um what sharper chins yeah so they're all very they're they're features of the white, white person yeah. Yeah. yeah so like. 
Just embrace your own, you know, characteristics. I think. No, I, I, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just like Gia Tolentino talks about the need to, like she said, she wants a a beauty neutral kind of world, which is like a world where just it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But like, I really don't see that happening anytime soon. Like, no, because be- humans humans are very visual animals. Well, and also because the fact that you know, women women are only Women out men out earn men, um, in only three fields in the world. That's modeling, porno- pornography, and Instagram influencing. Yeah. And they're all three industries that are predicated on visual, visual. yeah, visual um appearance. aesthetics appearances, yeah. yeah. And so like, it's hard to be a woman in today's world where, like, for me, all I want to be is in, and all I want to do is engage with people who are really really intellectually curious and value me for my intellectual curiosity and yet like I live in a world where I'm first and foremost judged by how I look and that's so despairing yeah or judging on how you look and you have to fit into a certain standard and you know and in that saying that you know in a lot of Asian countries they they would say that oh beauty you know like I said that's the beauty standard is following by the western standards so it's very white worshipping even so that they don't want to admit it yeah 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 exactly and like even on my way here um I saw three guys white dudes uh, after there's a basketball court where I live near near where I live and they were tambakte they were like yeah they were topless and they were like flabby as well they had like big breasts and and like i was like whoa like uh, girls would never be allowed to do that but they yeah these three white guys were so it just just shows that they love themselves that's fine they're confident enough to do that there's just not an equal standard in which um women embrace openly embrace their own like bodies you know like i said it's double standard in gender and you know privileged versus minority yeah it's definitely not the same yeah Okay, we're gonna wrap it up there. Okay. Yeah, no, it's been good to chat. Um, to to finally see you face to face. Hope hope. Yeah, we're we're actually in the same room today. Yeah, for like eight weeks. More yeah, you eight better weeks. you better not have coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll catch you guys next week. Uh, bye bye. Make sure you review us on Apple um, Podcasts and uh, we will see you next week. Eat well and be safe.